Hey everyone, welcome to the Naz Church Weekly Message Podcast. Here you will listen to the preaching pastor from the Naz in Grove City, Ohio. We pray you are inspired by their teachings. As we gather today, we're in um, week number three of Good Tidings. Good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, Bible tells us. We have the opportunity to spend time with the very God of the universe that created everything here on heaven and earth. We see him being enough. We've sung about him being enough. We've seen, even this morning, I'm believing answers to prayer were taking place as people were down here meeting with God. We see his grace move forward as people head toward disaster down to Mayfield, Kentucky. I've been in communication with Pastor Jacob Holmes even this morning. Some of you remember Pastor Jake, one of our worship leaders, pastors down in Bowling Green. The center of one of those tornadoes was about a half mile south of his house. His church is already active doing what we did when the tornado hit here. Even though there are people in their church that have had destruction, they're out helping. If you're watching him on Facebook, he's letting you know how we can be involved as a people, how we can help. We're going to take a moment here and pray for those down in Mayfield. Take a moment to continue to pray that God would speak to us, that the waves of his grace would not only come to us, but would flow through us to those that need help. I want to take a moment and thank you as a people for the way you've allowed that grace to flow to me. Um, Six years ago, I went through something really terrible in my life, and you all prayed. You all surrounded one of your pastors. You've continued to pray for me and for my family, and and I know many of you are praying, God, please help him find someone. (laughs) He needs somebody. And Melissa has come and answered those prayers. Thank you for the the crazy pop-up wedding ceremony you did last week. That was unexpected. Uh, First service, those of you in second service, we kind of knew what was coming, but still crazy. We're grateful to be a part of church that has fun, that loves the Lord, that loves each other. And I just want to thank you for the way you've extended that grace to me. It's my prayer, it's my desire that we would be that people for our community, for those that are around us, for those that will be helping in Puerto Rico, all over the world. But thank you. Thank you for the way you've been that in my life. Would you join me praying? Father, as we begin to look into your word this morning, would you guide us? Would your grace continue to come in waves that not only saves us, but keeps us and sustains us and lives through us, Lord? so that others can see you in our lives. God, I pray that you'd be with us this morning as we look into your word. We know that you have promised wherever two or three are gathered, you're there with us. And so we know that you're here. We know that you're with those that are watching online. But God, we don't want to take that for granted, so we ask that you would speak to us this morning. Open our ears, open our minds, open our eyes, open our hearts to what it is that you want to say to us. God, do all those things to help us understand how to cooperate with you and let you do those same things through us as we reach out to others. Lord, as we look into your word, 
May it come alive again in our midst. It's in Christ's name we pray all these things. Amen. Amen. Well, this, this series we've been in, uh, chapter one of the Gospel of John. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to take them out and turn to chapter one of the Gospel of John. I'm going to read for you the first 13 verses. Some of these you've already heard over the last couple of weeks. We're just going to start to put them a little further into context. John starts this way. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God. The word was God. He existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through him. Nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created. His life brought light to everyone, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man named John the Baptist to tell, well, sorry, the way Pastor John preached last week. There was a man sent from God. His name was John. I would go on to say, he himself was not the light. He was just here to testify to the light. Pastor John did that very awesome last week. If you missed it, go back. Watch that. He was a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, he was coming into the world. He came into the very world that he created but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They're reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So we look at this life that God wants to bring to us. I want you to think about Waves, waves of God's grace. God created. In the very beginning, we have this picture in the book of Genesis. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was this formless void and darkness was on the face of the deep. Some of you have heard us say before, this is this picture of chaotic waters, disorganized, nothing coming together, just utter chaos. And into that chaos, God speaks and begins to bring not only order, but beauty so he brings these things together. God's grace continued to come forward even after Adam and Eve decided to do things their own way. They took off and did their own thing and God continues to come to his people in love and in grace. He comes to a man named Noah, comes to a man named Abraham. He sends prophets to continue to speak to the people, to bring them back to him. But we keep going our own way despite God continuing to send his waves of grace. Grace, waves coming like the soft, soothing sounds that you're hearing right now. Grace that doesn't stop. It kept coming through the very word that brought the world into existence. You see, the book of Genesis is written in Hebrew, but they translated it into Greek so that more people could read it. And the very first words of Genesis and the very first words of the Gospel of John are exactly the same. In the beginning, except Genesis says God, John purposefully says in the beginning, and everybody was going to say God, and he said the word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. This very word that brought everything to, to existence later on becomes flesh and lives among you and me. 
It's the ultimate sign of God's grace that he sent his only son, that he gave for you and me. Our God is a God who gives and keeps on giving and keeps on giving. I was gonna ask you all to close your eyes and listen to the waves, but I realized half of you are almost asleep already and the other half of you have to go to the bathroom. So can we, so we need to turn that off, please? That'd be good. <laughs> which half of you have to go? No, I'm not gonna ask you which half of you have to go. Melissa and I got to go walk on the beach a couple weeks ago, aren't you jealous? And listen to the waves. And I began to think about waves that come crashing in. They're so smooth, so calming, so destructive but also bring in more land. God's grace comes to us in similar ways. Keeps coming, God keeps giving, God keeps sending. Yet we know the world in which we live, things don't tend to work in such a way that things move from disorder to order. They tend to move from order to chaos. Um, I took a book with me um, when I took off for Thanksgiving, listened to it. It's a book I'd read a long time ago. It's a really ancient book. It was written in the 1980s. Um, it's a book called The Road Less Traveled by M. Scott Peck. He was a psychiatrist, but he was writing about disorders people have, how God works in the world, how we shape ourselves. And he, he began to talk about the fact that in our world, things move from order to chaos. We know it as the, the second law of thermodynamics when talking about entropy. Entropy is one of these things that kind of pulls things away from order into chaos. Uh, entropy, entropy says this. It's, the, it's a thermodynamic quant quantity representing the unavailability of a system's thermal energy conver for conversion into mechanical work, often interpreted as the degree of disorder or randomness in the system. It's exciting. Doesn't that warm your heart to hear about entropy and what entropy is? The second law of thermodynamics says this. Entropy always increases with time. In any sort of system, we tend to move towards disorder. In thermodynamics, that's the way things work. We're trying to get energy. Things don't move toward making more energy. They move away from it. Same thing's true in our lives. Things in this world don't tend to push us toward the things of God. They tend to pull us away from the things of God. Can I get a witness? It seems like the way the world is going, it's getting crazier and crazier. But here's what, here's what M. Scott Peck says. Although we know that that's the way ten, things tend to work, we find at times that things do go the opposite direction. Sometimes things move from disorder to order. Sometimes people that are getting sick become healed. He said, wherever we begin to see those things happening is where we see God's grace active and working in the world. He said, it has to point to something beyond us, something that we don't often understand. Um, he then talks about these two words. They're theological terms, um, but it's ways of describing the way God's grace comes to you and me. One of the terms is the term Eminence, E, starts with the E, E-M-A-N-A-N-C-E, eminence. The second word is the term eminence. Sounds exactly the same, but it's spelled I-M-M-A-N-E-N-C-E. Eminence and eminence, not to be confused with the rapper from Detroit. 
That would be Eminem, okay? It's wrong. It's neither one of those. Neither is it, for those of you that are a little bit older, The Eminence Front by The Who. That's not what we're talking about either. It's not that. We're talking about Eminence. Eminence is this. What he says is, some of us, I can testify to this as I've talked with people, and I asked them how they came to know Christ, how they came to know his grace. Very rarely do people start at the moment they knelt at an altar and prayed. That's where God's grace became evident and became real in their lives. But most often the story goes something like this. Well, a few months before I came to know Christ, this started happening in my life. I began to sense God's moving. Some people will talk about forces outside of them beginning to work. Things at work were going crazy. Things in my life were going crazy. Things in my marriage. There were all these things out here and somehow grace came to act and work in them that brought them to a place of knowing they needed to know God. Others that I've spoken to talk about inside me there was this churning. There was this yearning for something more. There was this understanding that there was this hole inside me that needed to be filled. There was something inside me that was longing for and yearning for something different. And I got to the place where I realized God was the only thing that could fill that. And I needed to give my life to him. In both stories, whether the grace comes from God or the grace comes from within us, it still starts with the move of God. Can you put that slide back up there, guys? I'm sorry, I skipped it on you there a second. But eminence is this thing that tells us that grace emanates down from an eternal God to us. That's the story of the person that's saying, Man, these external forces, these things were going on, and I felt God moving on my life. Eminence is this sense that there's something inside of us. Quakers will talk about this, this spirit that is within us, the light of God that he's placed within us, that comes to life, that each of us has the spirit of God within us already. Some of us would say, that seems like kind of crazy. Unless you read in James chapter 4, verse 5, um, James tells us this, that God earnestly longs for, do you think the scripture says without reason, he jealously longs for the spirit that he has caused to dwell in us. There's this word he jealously longs for. It's a very, very strong word. The word in Greek for desire can be translated two ways. It can be translated desire and it can be translated lust. Now, some of us are going, ooh, those are kind of different. The King James Version says, God jealously lusts for the spirit he has placed within us. That sounds weird <laughs> for God to be lusting. What they're trying to say is this. Can you think of a strong word for something you long for, you want, and you would do anything to have it? That's what James is saying. God loves you so much. He has placed his spirit within you and he so longs to be reunited with the spirit that was within you that he lusts, he longs, he jealously yearns, however strong of a word you need, something that was so strong that he would send his only son to die for you so that he could have relationship with you. That's what John is telling us. That's what James is telling us. There's this movement within God. He created us. In his likeness, in his, in his image, male and female, he created us. But inside us is this emptiness that only he can fill. 
There is the spirit that needs to come to life within us that only God through his grace can make come alive. So M. Scott Peck will say, we don't know all the time whether God moves from the outside down to do something in us or if God is moving inside of us to make something happen. As we talk, God meets each of us in different places, different ways. The point is, grace comes to us from God. It's not anything we can do to get God's grace. There's nothing you and I can do to earn God's grace. God's grace comes to us in moments in time right where we live. He comes to us as individuals. He comes to us as groups. But he wants to change our lives with the spirit that he has placed within us. Whether you want to call that eminence or whether you want to call that eminence, God's grace is the wave that keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps longing for us to respond to it. Here's what John tells us as we read down through that passage again. He came to his own people, came to those that he created. They didn't accept him. He came to his own people. They rejected him. But to everyone who believed, he gave the power to be called God's children. You and I have the power to be God's children. Think about it. God sent his only son, and now he calls us to be his children. Children that are born not of the will of man, not because some guy wanted to have kids or because some woman decided, I want to have a kid, not because somebody forced themselves on somebody else, what Jesus says, what John says, is you can be reborn of the Spirit by God. This is an illusion. It's alluding to a story in John chapter 3. John chapter 3, some of us know John 3.16, but let me give you a little background that leads us to John 3.16. John chapter 3 starts out this way. There was a man named Nicodemus, He was a leading ruler. He was a Pharisee among the people of Israel. He came to Jesus at night. Now, it doesn't tell us why, but most likely he didn't want to be seen. He comes to Jesus and he says, Rabbi, teacher, we can tell that you've been sent by God for no one could do or teach the things that you were doing unless the spirit of God were upon him. It's an amazing intro. He's buttering Jesus up. I'm a Pharisee, but I'm gonna make this guy think he's really something, because he is. But there's some things that he does that aren't necessarily so good. He hangs around with not so good people. Doesn't he realize he should be hanging with us Pharisees? He's hanging around with people that are like on the outskirts of society people that aren't quite following God the way we should be following God. That's why Nicodemus comes at night. He butters Jesus up. We can tell you're a teacher sent from God. (laughs) Jesus responds to him and says, truly, truly, I say to you, you must be born again. If I'm Nicodemus, I'm going, okay, you misunderstood what I just said. I'm trying to tell you how good a teacher you are. This isn't about me, Jesus. This is about you. Now, Jesus doesn't say this. This is my interpretation of John 3. I know it's about me, and that's why you need to change, Nicodemus. 
See, for, for the Jews, there was a process. If you were a Gentile and you wanted to become a Jew, you went through a process of teaching, of learning, of being a God-fearer. We read about God-fearers uh, in the New Testament. People that loved God, they gave money to help the synagogues do all sorts of things. But you had to do some certain things to then become a Jew. In order to become a Jew, you had to not only believe, but you then had to be able to understand and read Torah. So you had to go through a process of learning and understanding. And then most of you know, if you were a man, they did this really weird thing with your genitals, and then you could be in. But then they also baptized you. They would immerse you in water, bring you up from the water, and as a Jew, what they would say to Gentiles who then had become Jews is you have been born again. You are a new person. You are now a part of the kingdom of God. Born again language isn't something that's new to Christians. Jews had used the language for a long time. But for Jesus to say to a Pharisee, you have to be born again, this did not compute <laughs> with Nicodemus. I'm already a Jew. I was circumcised as a little kid. I teach the Jewish people, so what are you talking about? I can't enter my mom's womb and be born again. Jesus says, don't marvel that I tell you you have to be born again. You don't have to be born of water, but you also have to be born of the spirit. So don't marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wants. You can't see the wind, but you see the effects of the wind. You see the trees blow. If it's strong enough, you see the destruction that it brings. You also can begin to see that wind can do awesome things like generate power, push sailboats. It can do phenomenal things. The wind blows where it wants to. And you cannot change that, but you can see the effects of it. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus, you're a teacher of the law, and you should know these things. If I talk to you about these earthly things and you don't understand, how can I even explain to you heavenly things? See, Nicodemus, because God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him shouldn't perish but should have everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And this is the verdict, that light has come into the world, but men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. That's John chapter three. That's what John is alluding to here in the very beginning of chapter one. When he says to us, you have the ability to become a child of God. God has given you that right. You have the ability to walk in that. But most of us have not taken that opportunity or we kind of mishear what's being said. Some of us feel like God's grace comes to us in a moment. When I prayed an altar and I received Christ into my life, and that is a key moment in our walk with Christ. Don't hear me downplaying that moment. But I think that moment is an entrance into what God wants to continue to do in and through our lives as he lets his grace continue to flow through us, to flow to us, to help us to be what he wants us to be. See, what God begins to do in the life of a believer is continues to pour out his grace on us. 
if we're open to it. He continues to pour his grace, not only to us, but coming out of us and through us to others if we will let him do that in and through us. But remember a little while ago, I talked to you about entropy, that we tend to move from order towards chaos. We tend to move from order toward disorder. How many of y'all can testify that that's been true in your life? Once you've got everything together, what happens? <laughs> right, <laughs> it falls apart. That's what it feels like, right? How many of you all ever get to the place where it feels like you've got everything together and you start getting really scared? <laughs> right, I've got everything together. What bad's about to happen? Something bad. That's just the way the world seems to work. We live in a fallen world. That's a reality of the world that we live in. What God says to us through the book of Genesis and here again in John chapter one is this. God created the world. He brought order from chaos. God wants to do the same thing in your life. He sent his son so that everyone who believed in him can become a child of God. Once we've become a child of God, we continue to rely on God's grace to shape us, to transform us, to make us like him. That's not a process that just automatically happens. How many of you in here, since you became a Christian, you asked God in your life, I'm gonna to talk to the people that are already Christians for just a moment. You became a Christian, and the moment you became a Christian, you have felt like, man, since I became a Christian, life's been so easy, it's just awesome. I've constantly grown, I've never done anything bad anymore, and I've just become better and better and better. No effort at all, it's just like happens, it's awesome. No hints? Nobody online? Nobody online feels that way? We don't. It's not what tends to happen. One of my favorite quotes, it sounds a little sadistic when I read it to you, but bear with me for just a second. Guy, but then we have D.A. Carson. He's a professor up in Chicago. Um, he's talking about holiness, about us beginning to live like and look like Jesus. Okay, now, sometimes you hear the word holiness, you think that means, oh, you're perfect, you don't ever do anything wrong. That's not what the word means. The word means we've been set apart for God's purposes and for his use, and he wants to live in and through us. So that does mean there may be things in our life that begin to go away, but it also means there are some things we begin to do because God is working in and through us and we begin to look like Jesus. We look like a son or daughter of God. If he's given us the right to become his child, then we need to start looking like him, right? D.A. Carson says this, people do not drift toward holiness. Yeah, I didn't just wake up one day and went, oh, wow, I'm holy today. It just kind of happened. I don't know how it happened, but let me go tell you about it. It's been kind of cool. Glad it happened to me. Sorry for y'all, right? That's not how this works. Apart from grace-driven effort, people do not gravitate toward godliness. Now, let's go back to this word, grace-driven effort, because that's a confusing term, or it can be. Because what most of you have focused on already is the term driven and thinking, I've got to have drive to make this happen. But if grace either emanates or emanates from God, God's the one that's going to start that grace and I cooperate with it. He drives it, but I step into it and let him do in me what he wants to do to complete the work in me that he started People don't gravitate toward godliness, prayer, obedience, or scripture, faith, and delight in the Lord. 
we drift toward compromise and we call it tolerance. We drift toward disobedience and we call it freedom. We drift toward superstition and call it faith. We cherish the indiscipline of lost self-control and call it relaxation. We slouch toward prayerlessness and delude ourselves into thinking that we have escaped legalism. We slide towards godlessness and convince ourselves that we have been liberated. Folks, God came to save us, but the grace that he sent to save us is a grace that continues to come in waves. And we need to continue to stay open to allowing him to work in us the way that he desires. It takes grace-driven effort to say, God, I see this coming my way and I accept it and I'm gonna live in that and do what you've called me to do because I wanna look like you. You created the world for goodness sakes. You know what it should look like. You created me to be in your image. That means you should know what I should look like. But the things in this world are pulling me different ways. The things in this world are telling me different stories and God keeps coming in grace and saying, hey, I want you to be my child. Keep living in it. I'm gonna talk for a second to those of you who are Christians already, okay? So those of you who aren't Christians, you can just listen in, okay? While the pastor just rips apart the people of God. Just kidding, that's not what I'm gonna do. Those of you that have been in church a lot of your life, some of you are still living on what God did for you a long time ago when he saved you, and you're still struggling with the same things you've been struggling with for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. Because you thought like this moment was it. And this moment is an entrance into God's continual creative work in your life. The same way he created the worlds, he didn't just go, okay, now y'all do whatever you want. God is still active in the life of the world despite what it may look like. God is still bringing his grace in every place that you begin to see things moving not towards chaos but moving back towards order is a place where God is alive and active and moving, where his grace is working. The question I have for you today is, is your life one of those places where God's grace is active and moving, where you're moving from places of chaos to places of order and restoration? I know we prayed a moment ago here at the altars because our bodies, the older we get, they seem to move from order to chaos. Some of y'all laughed harder than others at that. By the sound of the laughs, they were older people. <laughs> Marriages, just because you stood in front of a pastor and said all the right words and really, really meant it in your heart in that moment, doesn't mean that the world is still not gonna battle against that marriage to move from order to chaos. Unless through grace-driven effort, you allow God to continue to work in and through you. The relationships at work, the relationships with family, all have a likelihood of moving from order to chaos unless we work at it and allow God through his grace to work in and through us. Okay, so now I'm gonna talk to those of you who haven't grown up in the church. Those of you who may be seeking God. I know you listened in even though I told you you didn't have to. God wants to do the same thing in and through your life.
He wants you to conformed, to be conformed to his image. A few weeks ago, we, we read in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, that we shouldn't be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our mind. It's a process of submission, submitting and saying, God, do what you can in through me. That happens by us doing a few things. One of them is spending time with him in prayer. One of them is spending time in his word. And I realize some of you are going, now you're just giving me a list of rules, Pastor Dale. I'm not. I'm not giving you a list of rules. I'm telling you that down for the last 2,000 years, people that have grown in God have begun to say, hey, I found the more time I'm spending with God, the more I begin to look like him. And one of the ways I spend time with him is in reading his word. Sometimes I don't get everything that's in there. Just like when you were a kid, you didn't understand everything your parents said. There's times I say stuff to my kids and I get done and I say, do you understand me? And they go, yeah, yeah. They don't, I know they don't. I know they don't. I'm gonna say it to them again and again. The fun thing now is now that I've got a daughter who's becoming an adult, she's going, oh, I get what you were saying. Thank you. And I realize God does the same thing with me. But the more I'm in his presence, the more I'm spending time in his word, the more I'm spending time praying, even when I don't get it, God's helping me be drawn closer to him and more and more like him. Spending time in the Bible is not a law of something you should do. It's a place where we find God's grace active. Gathering together with people like this on a weekly basis is a place where we find God's grace active. Gathering together in smaller groups where we can talk to one another about God's word is a place where God is active. The more we begin doing those things, we fight against the things of this world and become more and more like him. It's where God's grace is active. Got a new year getting ready to begin here. It's my prayer that today some of you will begin to set down some spikes and say, God, I'm gonna start doing the things that you've called me to do. I'm gonna spend the time with you. I've been following you for a long time, but my life doesn't look very much different than it did from when I started. I need to look like you, I wanna be like you. There may be some of you who are saying, Pastor Dale, my life is in the state of chaos that you've talked about. That part of Genesis that you said, everything was formless and void and had no idea, that's me. That's where I'm at. I need to change, I need God's grace in my life. I'm gonna ask all of you if you would to stand. If you'd bow your heads and close your eyes, Hope that you'll hear the waves of God's grace coming to you right now, saying, I've given you the right to be my child. Whether you're 12 years old or under, or whether you're 70 years or older, my grace is still coming to you. Will you cooperate with it? Will you walk in that grace with me? I'm gonna pray a prayer, and as I pray, I'm gonna tell you, it's gonna be a little bit longer prayer but there may be points in it where you go, oh, that's me, God, do that in me. There may be points where you say, oh, that's so-and-so, they really need it, don't do that. <laughs> Listen for yourself on what God wants to do in and through you. Picture yourself on a cool night in Israel on the upper deck of a house with a man named Jesus at night 
where he looks at you and he says, the wind blows where it wants to. You can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of it. Some of you have seen the effects of grace in God's and others' lives. You've seen the effects of grace in your own life. We're gonna pray right now and ask that we would submit to the grace of God. Father, I pray that you'd be with me right now. Forgive me for the times that I take your grace for granted. Where I rely on grace from years ago when you saved me. But Lord, the continued grace that you bring at times, I don't, I don't purposefully reject it. I just don't pay attention to it. Other things in this world drown out the sound of the waves. Other things in the world drown out the sound of your voice. God, help me to find ways to spend the time with you in prayer, listening for you, in your word, hearing from you, serving with others out in the community and seeing where you're working, gathering with others and worshiping together. Lord, thank you for the gifts of grace that you keep giving us. Father, help me to receive your grace. Father, I have a feeling there's somebody in here today right now who their life feels like chaos. They know it's their fault. They know they've brought it on themselves. Father, I pray that you'd help them right now to hear you say, I know it's your fault. I know you've done it to yourself, but you can't work your way out of it. That's why I sent my son. It's because I love you and I want you to know that you're my child. Accept that grace and walk in it. Let me forgive you. Father, help them to confess that this morning and to let you forgive them. Father, for my brothers and sisters that are here who've grown up in church or they've come to know you, Lord, they've known you for more than a year or two, some of us for a long time. But we have forgotten to let your grace continue to work in and through us so that others can come to know you, so that they can become your children. God, some of us are like selfish kids at Christmas that we're happy for the gifts that you give us. Father, forgive us for our selfishness. Work in and through us and conform us to be like you where we give. Open up our eyes and our ears and our hearts, God, to understand that you want your grace to flow through us to others. Forgive us, Lord, for being like vessels that are closed off. Help us, Lord, to open up where you want us to so that your grace can pour through to others. God, help us to continually stand in the flow of your grace that you would use us the way you want to so that a dying world can be changed. Lord, I pray that the people in Grove City, in Columbus, the people in Puerto Rico would begin to see what is going on with these people. Their lives seem to be moving from chaos to order, to beauty, to grace. God, that they would come to, be to, under, they would come to understand through us that they too are called to be your children. 
All these things, Father, we ask and we pray in the most precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Stay connected with us at thenaz.church.